You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Ana, Erlina, Felipe, y Nico, bienvenidos a Token Theater Friends. It's a pleasure to have all of you here today. I think this is like the biggest episode I've done in quite some time, and I'm so happy that it's with fellow Latina people. So I am very excited to talk to all of you about the musicals that you're going to be presenting at the 4X Latine at Latine Musical Theater Lab. So I want to know a little bit about what your shows are about, who you are, and where you are in the world. So, Ana. Hola, my name is Ana Dini Morales. I am the librettist of Zavala Zavala, an opera in five cuts. The composer is Brian Ariola. So Zavala Zavala, an opera in five cuts is based on the first family separation case in El Paso, Texas, that was part of um, the Trump administration's pilot program in 2017. So basically the administration ran this pilot program in order to test the efficacy of like, basically if people would go through with separating um, children from their families at the border. And so this case is the first separation case that was for uh, Sergio Garcia, who was the defense attorney in the case. And it's the case in which he realizes that children are being separated from their families at the border. Hi, um, my name is Elena Ortiz, uh, pronouns she, her. I am the book writer and co-lyricist of Silhuetas. My partner on the project is Robbie Hager, who's the composer and co-lyricist. Um, and Silhuetas is about displacement, home, immigration, community, friendship, forgiveness. <laughs> Um, it is about a Cuban-American woman who has been ripped from her home and ancestry at a very young age of 16. Um, and when the musical begins, she is leaving a bad marriage of 20 years and starting anew. Um, so it's all about her kind of finding herself, finding her way back home, uh, reconnecting with her ancestral lineage and her connections, um, and building a new home with the community that she finds in Philadelphia, where she moves after her divorce from her 20-year marriage. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about Silhouettes. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Felipe. I'm here in New York City. Um, and I'm uh, the book writer and the lyricist of Divergentes, Un Musical Diverso. Uh, and Divergentes is the choral story of uh, seven characters who experience the difficulty of living and settling in a world 
in a world where social, moral, and cultural labels determine the way you have to be and express yourself. Uh, so the, these characters are trying to find uh, how to be themselves um, in a good way, of course. Uh, and um, I, I, I like to say that uh, as a writer, I, I think Divergentes is a very uh, um, big, a very good uh, picture of the Latin American culture. Um, so I'm very excited to 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 be part of this uh, festival that allowed me to uh, show this this excerpt. Hola, Jose. Hola a todos. A long-time listener, first-time caller of the podcast, so I'm very excited to be here. Uh, my show, Como Correr, is a rap concert trapped inside a musical that thinks it's a cartoon. It follows two Latin high schoolers uh, who fall in love in the middle of the time in 2016 where we were pre-Trump and MAGA was kind of rising uh, and Black Lives Matter was sort of coming at the, up at the same time. So it sort of asked the question if if their sort of young queer love can last in this terrible moment that that we all live through. I'm so happy because I actually just got home from watching The Little Mermaid. And, you know, like, as you know, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda co-wrote some of the new songs in it. And other than Lin-Manuel Miranda, really, like, there's not a lot of Latina representation in musical theater, especially in the U.S. So I'm just so happy to be in community with all of you here today. So what how, what made you fall in love with with musicals um yeah it's funny that i'm working on a musical this is my first musical that i'm working on and um <laughs> and i'm seeing some like <laughs> support on there um i was definitely a musical theater kid so starting from i mean kindergarten i think it was when i first did my first like little you know pretending to play guitar on stage in front of my parents show um and then theater was kind of always my thing and then high school of course you know the school that I went to we did one show a year and it was always a musical I think we did Pippin we did The Wiz we did South Pacific um and then one year we actually did high school musical which was a really uh fun it was like the year that like after high school musical came out on Disney and then we were doing high school musical so I think that was like when the obsession became a little bit more intense um because it was just like so meta um but then once I actually started pursuing a, a, a professional theater career, I very much left musicals behind for a while. Um, a, because I don't, I'm not a singer and I don't con consider myself a musically gifted person. Like I don't play any instruments really. And so I always kind of felt like I don't have, I don't have the skills to actually work on a musical. And also musicals to me were like, old like not contemporary it was like boring like you know I don't want to do that anymore I want to do contemporary present work um that started to shift when I like when I learned about in the heights when I was already like in my early 20s and then with the whole Hamilton craze it was a little bit more of like oh maybe musicals can be something um contemporary um and that I realized that even though I don't have always the language for communicating when it comes to musicals a lot of times it's about the feeling um and that's something that I have been able to work really well with my um, collaborator Robbie on is that sometimes I don't know like how to say make this a C instead of an A or whatever it is um but I can be like I don't know it should feel like more like hmm instead of hmm and he like knows what I mean and so I think that in a way not having that 
professional training has created something, has created a different language for us that works really well. Um, so yeah, I guess that's kind of like the journey of it a little bit. <laughs> Rock and roll. Yeah. Um, well, Alina, I also did high school musical in school. I, I was, I was Ryan uh, in high school, my senior, senior year, junior year. But anyway, uh, my mom, speaking of Disney musicals, my mom at a very young age indoctrinated me into the cult that is the Disney musical VHS. So like Aladdin, Lion King, Snow White, Cinderella, Tarzan, all those were in constant rotation in my home. Uh, and then in middle school, I found The Nightmare Before Christmas. And that was one that I was sort of really able to like reach into and like connect with despite being terrified of the oogie boogie man i was still like this is still really cool but i can't watch this part or i'll cry um and then uh my drama teacher in high school kind of like plucked me um out of the crowd and was like you should be doing this you have too much energy that should be placed somewhere um and then i just started doing musicals in there and, and i found rent in high school and i was like this connects with my teenage angst and it was really the um uh What's her name? Uh, who is uh, Mimi? Mimi's bridge on Out Tonight, where she like kind of gets into it in the Spanish babies are crying. I was like, I feel so seen in this. And like that sort of, uh, that sort of was like felt really contemporary to me. I mean, despite it, like, you know, I guess at, at this point being a period piece, I was sort of really into the how the queerness and the the people of color and and the the raw emotionality of it was sort of all sort of pushed to the forefront. Um, and then I, I started, I went to a, a STEM school and studied theater at a STEM school in Florida. They were uh, cutting the budget of the theater program while giving $2 billion to the dental program. But what was good about that is that nobody was watching us. So we could kind of do whatever we wanted. It was just like a great little sandbox for like weird Christopher Durang plays and like student works and creativity. Um, and then from there, I, I went to, um, I just graduated from NYU's graduate musical theater writing program, uh, which is cool. And uh, I'm so happy to be here in, in, in community um, with, with y'all Latin people, because no shade to the graduate musical theater writing program, but there weren't that many Latin people there. And, and I sort of feel that language barrier. I, I, Erlina, I feel you with that. Like, it, it, it comes from like an emotional place uh, for me, as opposed to like, this needs to be a C sus two, and then we're gonna go into an E major seven. It's more like, nah, this needs to feel like a panic attack, or this needs to feel like a flower blooming and that kind of thing. Um, so I still, and this show Como Correr is, is my first musical as well. So I still feel like I have so much to learn, but like, I'm just happy to be here. If my eyes are just wide, just swallowing all the information. It's so cool, yeah. So, uh, por, para mí, eh, eh, el, el entrar en el mundo de los musicales creo que viene desde que era niño, cuando me acuerdo, tengo muy presente, cuando era muy niño, estar eh, en la casa con mi mamá y ella pesca, tomaba su guitarra y empezaba a cantar conmigo eh, tratando de enseñarme cómo cantar y que cantara con ella. Eh, creo que desde esa... Desde esos momentos empezó a gustarme mucho la música. La música fue parte de mí desde, desde muy pequeño. Eh, yo primeramente soy eh, performer, soy actor, soy cantante. Eh, y este eh, Divergente ese es mi tercer musical eh, que yo he escrito. Pero básicamente yo soy actor, entonces yo todo lo que escribo lo escribo como, como actor, como pensando en cómo lo va a hacer 
en los personajes, entonces yo empiezo a actuar todos los personajes eh, <risa> eh, y veo cómo, cómo se eh, pueden relacionar, en fin, como que me, me meto en, en, en cada uno eh, creo que igual uno, aunque no tenga experiencia de actor uno como escritor también hace ese trabajo a lo mejor inconscientemente eh, pero eh, aunque sé mucho de, de, de música como cantante, porque canto eh, no, no tengo la, 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 eh, las herramientas para poder, por ejemplo, componer o para poder crear yo solo musical. Eh, entonces, eh, siempre pensé que a lo mejor que cuando era más pequeño, eh, cuando era adolescente, por ejemplo, siempre quise escribir musicales, pero siempre decía, nunca lo voy a poder hacer porque no, no tengo las herramientas para hacerlo. Porque vivía en Chile y allá en Chile hay una, una eh, ¿cómo se llama? Una industria de musicales que es muy pequeña, que es muy, muy pequeña. Entonces no, no se sabe mucho. Yo no sabía mucho cómo funcionaba este mundo. Eh, entonces, al venirme para acá, a vivir acá a Nueva York, se me abrió toda esa posibilidad y supe que había, eh, o sea, lo sabía de antes, pero, pero me di cuenta desde el momento que había... Eh, en, en situ, digo, eh, había personas especializadas en componer <ríe> la música y que tú podías a lo mejor eh, trabajar sin tener la, la, las cualidades. Entonces, eh, simplemente como tratando de, 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 de sacar todo eso que está en ti y ponerlo en la, en la página. Eh, así que, nada, estoy muy contento eh, con, con, con Divergentes, la verdad. I think my story is more like Felipe in that um, music and um, it, this is something I, I've done since I was a little girl. My mom in the 70s was part of the formation of um, the theater company here in DC called Gala Hispanic Theater, whose artistic director Hugo Medrano very unfortunately just passed away. Um, and so I, you know, have known Hugo and his partner Rebecca Medrano since I was a little girl because I was at their rehearsals. And the one I remember most was Yerma. So my mom is Puerto Rican and she came here in the late 60s and she worked in theater. But she then later on, she became a public school teacher here in this area. Um, but she always continued to work in theater as a performer, but then also as a writer. So she's a poet and she, but she didn't read her poetry. She would always perform her poetry. So rehearsals, ella recitaba su poesía. So rehearsals and writing and, um, and teaching were like the bread and butter. They were the foundation of our family. So like now my sister's a public high school teacher. Do you know who plays the guitar? But then I, I was also, I'm trained as a classical pianist. So that was always a big part of my life. And I always really loved languages. And so I remember when I first saw the movie Amadeus, which you guys don't remember, like that was when I hit middle school. And I heard this line that Mozart said he wanted his operas to be in German, not in Italian. And that really struck me. I was like, why, what's, what's going on there with his relationship to that language? And so I was already taking French. My mom didn't let us speak English in our house. She said we couldn't eat if we spoke in English. She would only feed us if we spoke in Spanish. And so I was like, but now I got to learn German because I got to see what's going on with this language. And so anyway, in the meantime, 
my parents would send us, my sister and I, to spend our summers in, in Puerto Rico with, um, with our grandparents. And we would, so we were partially raised by our grandparents. And that's when my grandfather, who actually didn't read music, but he played by ear, he trained my sister and I in Caribbean musical traditions. And his mom had, even though she had had 12 children, she used to perform and sing in Sarsuelas in Puerto Rico. At the beginning of the 20th century, Puerto Rico had like 10 opera slash Sarsuela companies. The importance of that is that we think that this isn't our tradition. You know, like, and now I'm really talking about the operatic tradition, but Sarsuela is similar to the musical tradition, to the U.S. musical tradition, because Sarsuelas are a Spanish tradition, and there were thousands of Sarsuelas written in Spain between the 19th and the 20, early 20th century, and this musical tradition was taken up in Latin America. And they were cranked out. Sarsuelas were cranked out, and they were works that were sung and spoken. And they were often comical. They often, many were performed in one evening. So this was a really lively tradition. And it's part of our tradition as Latina people throughout the Americas. Like there were troops that traveled all over the border regions, the Caribbean, all the way down to, to Argentina and up to places like New York City. And through Chile, Chile has a great zarzuela tradition that they suppress, like my Chilean friends are like, oh, there's no, and I'm like, no, actually, yes. So, so that's, my, that's my background, you know, like music, poetry, a formal tradition, like a formal classical tradition, but also like more informally learning a Caribbean tradition are just part of my, of my foundation. But I have to say, I was remembering something when we were speaking and it's something I always suppress. When I was applying to go to graduate school, like to do, I was either gonna go in one direction or another, go on to do my PhD and really deeply study Latin, Ameri Latin American literature, or I was going to go to the Yale School of Drama. And I was a finalist at the Yale School of Drama. And I'll never forget, they said at the end, end of the interview, do you have any questions for us? And I said, yeah, do you guys, and this was like, you know, in my twenties, yeah, do you guys, study Latin American or at the time we would say Latino theater. And the response was here at the Yale School of Drama, we study a traditional theater, you know, tradition. So that was Shakespeare who I love, you know, like I grew up, I, I adore Shakespeare. I adore Beckett, you know, I love this tradition, but, um, so that was the response I got. And it really, I had also, after college, I went to study theater in Italy and um, at the Academia Nazionale d'Arte Dramatica there. Do you know, so I was this amalgam, you know, like this kid who was born here, who grew up in, in Lat the Latino theater of Hispanic, uh, Gala Hispanic theater here, between here and Puerto Rico, speaking these languages, you know, like with all these wrapped around trees inside of me. And I didn't find a place where I could bring that together. And then, um, so I really went, I took the academic route and I went on and I got a PhD and I started teaching. Um, the thing that I always did along the way also was I started translating poetry and I translate a lot of Chilean poetry, Felipe. So like Raul Zurita, Gabriela Mistral, Nicanor Parra, 
So I really started working very deeply in language and sound in poetry until several years ago, um, this woman who's Chilean, who's, who is the founder of an opera company here in DC called um, the In Series, which is the oldest small opera company here in DC. She invited me to adapt an operetta, a zarzuela that was, that was Cuban from the early 20th century. And I was like, yeah, I can do that. Do you know, like I had the tools in this dusty toolbox that I took out and, and, then, and then I found my home. Do you know, like, like when you guys talk about your childhood and I did all of that, I've worked in musical theater. Um, so I really, I, it, it's taken a long time. And I think when you have different backgrounds like that, it can take time to find your, your home on the stage. But I realized then that that's what gala Hispanic theater had done for me growing up. Like it was a place where people who were away from home had a home on the stage. So for me, the stage is home, where people who are in exile, where people who have homes elsewhere, that's a really important part of our theater tradition here. Thank you, Anna, for that. That was really beautiful. I'm based in Madrid right now, and what you're talking about is so interesting to me because my dad keeps insisting that I need to go to a zarzuela, not because he knows zarzuela, but because he's told me all this, you know, by now they're kind of like family legends about all these touring companies that would come down to Honduras, where I'm from. And my great grandmother, my bisabuela Mariana, was obsessed with zarzuela. So if you have any names of zarzuelas, Ana, that I should look out for while I'm living in Spain, I would, I would love to know some titles. Well, you know, can I just say, it's amazing that your grandmother was obsessed with them because they were really cranked out. Like a lot were written by journalists who were obviously working as journalists, but then were writing about, uh, you know, things that happened. Like they were writing about current events. They were funny, but they could also be very dramatic. So anyway, this summer you have to go see La Verbena de la Paloma and that takes place in Madrid. So just Google it, you'll, you'll see it this summer. Thank you for that. And I promise that I will. Speaking about, uh, you know, the origins of all of your origin stories, what was the origin story of the musical? What planted the seed of each of the musicals that you're working on? So for me, the musical takes place. It starts in January 2016 and ends in December in January 2017. Um, so I don't know if we all remember what was happening that year, but it was quite the year. Um, and so I think that was part of the seed of it. At, at 2016, not only were we dealing with obviously what was happening here in the States of the election and this resurfacing, unsurfacing of the amount of hate and vitriol that folks in the country have for people unlike them, non-white, straight people. Um, and so there was definitely like a... Um, a dream being broke open in that year for me of like thinking you're safe and then realizing like, oh, like whatever I thought before is not actually true. And then at the same time, um, the Cuba embargo was being uh, lifted. Obama was talking about, you know, opening up the borders more between Cuba and like a lot of, and mail was finally allowed between the two countries. Um, a lot of people planning trips back being like, oh, maybe I can go. But then also that com that conflict of should I go? Should I not go? Considering why my family left. And then at the same time, the Syria civil war was coming to its 
one of its worst moments of basically getting to the point where realizing that the rebels were most likely not going to be able to come to some sort of um, winning in that war. So I think I had all these different ideas of home. What happens when you suddenly realize your home is not safe um, and you can't go back? What happens when the home you're in, which technically my family as immigrants came here supposedly to be safer, you realize the home that you're at is not safe. And then what happens when your whole life you've been told that this this place is not safe for you to go to um so yeah so then also this idea of like what happens when um when you realize you can go home um so all the characters kind of like are questioning those things throughout the piece and that was really the seed was my own processing of like my own home suddenly not feeling the way I thought that it should um and then just thinking about all the different levels of like time of these people um for me, I had a professor in undergrad uh, named Elena Maria Garcia, and she had a one-woman show called Fuacata, uh, Latina Woman's Guide to Surviving the Universe. And in it, she played multiple characters. And one of the characters uh, was named Marisol. Uh, and it's and she's a person I think we're all too familiar with. She was uh, an immigrant uh, who came to Miami, because the show was based in Miami, um, selling water bottles on the side of the highway. Um, and then she just gave this like beautiful, like heartbreaking monologue um, about Marisol's journey. And I was sitting there in the theater and I was like, oh, Latin people can exist on stage without it having to be like a big party. We can exist in like our ugliness and our complexity as well. This is news to me. Uh, and then we, uh, we went out to dinner after the show and we were just, you know, gabbing and talking. And then I had this image uh, of this like Latin boy, like running from something. He was sort of like this for the audio people. I'm sorry, you're not going to see this, but he was kind of like that. Um, and I was like, what is this kid running from? And then I just kept asking myself that question. Uh, and that was in 2018. So I've been working on it for a little bit. And it's it's really just like the our culture is so deeply rooted in toxic masculinity. It's in our language. Um, like, Marica is something that a lot of people in our community, depending on where you're from, say as casually as you would say, bro. And and and, and that's just an inescapable fact. And so growing up as a queer person in, in this community um, and then coming to understand what these words mean, what these words mean and, and how this language is used so casually, uh, either casually or like that fact of, of like toxic masculinity and just like what it means to be a man often just goes ignored. I was just like, wh why do we ignore this? What, what, why is our culture this way? Um, and, and so this piece is like putting the, this queer love story at, at the front to sort of ask questions about that and, and challenge that. Uh, and the world has just been getting a lot sort of uh, wackier and wackier in, in a derogatory sense, I suppose, and just terrible in, in, in how politically we're sort of moving and and how capitalism is destroying the planet and our, and our communities. Um, and then so I thought that those questions about toxic masculinity would be sort of further dramatized by placing it in this political moment, um, which is like, no stupid pun intended, but like black and white. And if you're not one side, then you can't sit with us. And if you're this side, you can't sit with us. And it just feels like we're living in a time that sort of where well, the seed was planted there of like nuance not being a thing that exists in a conversation. Um, so I wanted to sort of think about queer love through all of that perspective. And it's a comedy. <laughs> so that's what uh, that's what that's the gag, ladies and gentlemen.
Okay, Felipe again here. Um, I think uh, one of my, I have, I have so many inspirations to write this story, the Divergentes story. Um, one of them is the situation in Chile about uh, talking about the um, LGBTQ plus community. Uh, the situation in Chile is like just last year, they uh, legalized the equal marriage, for example. Um, so many, 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 many people has no rights. Many people um, suffer the discrimination of uh, um, the common people. I mean, um, it's it's something that uh, happens in uh, in in every day on the streets with uh, comments with uh, um, um, I don't know. It's 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 something that it's it's uh, it's rooted in the blood of the 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 culture the chilean culture um so i wanted to write a story that uh i, I wanted to create a story that uh, a word that the all of these uh situations uh it weren't were not a problem you know what i mean though where these people, uh, which are the same people as everyone, <laughs> has the same problems, um, could be uh, and could live uh, a simple life. You know what I mean? So um, not because you are gay or you are bi or you are trans, uh, you're different i mean you are different but in two ways in different in a bad way you know what i mean so um you are you have the same feeling that me and 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 we are the same so um my story is a it's a very simple story it's a it's a it's an it's an everyday story because i think that simple uh that simple idea that simple thing is so strong because everyone could relate with that. Creo que soy un soy un fiel defensor de del idioma español eh, y de cualquier idioma en el fondo. Si yo hablo español, yo soy de, defensor del español. Si alguien habla japonés, que también sea un defensor del japonés. De cada de particularidad de, de cada lenguaje como eh, Hablaba también Ana, el, el, los lenguajes son súper importantes eh, culturalmente, obviamente. Y estando aquí yo sé que somos inmigrantes y que estamos en un país que eh, se supone que habla un idioma inglés, pero a estas alturas tenemos tanta eh, bombardeo, tanto bombardeo de, 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 de cultura, de diversa cultura, eh, que en realidad no me parece eh, eh, bien que eh, solo se eh, hagan cosas en inglés. Eh, o en Spanglish a lo más eh, a mí me gustaría que hubiera un musical en, 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 en español en Broadway, a mí me gustaría que hubiera eh, un musical en, en japonés también o en, o en 
o en portugués, no sé, sería hermoso, sería lindo, sería eh, eh, algo muy, eh, eh, también muy, que, algo que, que, que rompiera barreras. Eh, y creo que Divergente podría ser, ¿por qué no? En <risas> uh, 2019, Brian Ariola, que es el compositor, He is a vocalist, he's a tenor, and he's a professor of opera at UNC Charlotte. He got a grant and he came to me and he said, um, he said, I want to write an opera about the separation of families at the border. I only have enough money to do an hour long piece. So it would be a chamber opera and enough money to, for three vocalists and five musicians. <laughs> and so that was the, that was the, what he presented to me and He said, you can write anything you want and then you pass me the libretto and I'll set it to music. So, you know what, what I really wanted to write about were, was um, the legal processes of family separation. I wanted to know how words were disappearing children at the border. Do you know, I wanted to know how this legal machine was grinding up. Like how, how is this happening, right? Like how, was, how were lawyers defending this? How were they fighting against it? What were judges saying? Like, what was that whole legal soundscape that was that was allowing this to happen? And so I started to do research on it. This was 2019. And the issue had come to my knowledge in 2018, in April of 2018, when zero tolerance under Trump, you know, became publicized through the media. But I was like, well, what is the legal, you know, as I started investigating the legal conversation on the topic, um, I realized that this pilot program began in 2017, uh, excuse me, 20, yeah, no, 2017. And so um, anyway, so I found this case and I realized that in this, in this one case that I, you know, I read the proceedings of the case that was the Zavala Zavala case, which was part of a Five, five families that were accused of illegally entering the border and they weren't given the opportunity for asylum. So they were sent to a criminal court. So there were like all these strategies for disorienting the, the system in, in this case in El Paso in particular. And what I realized in the language of the proceedings was that Sergio Garcia, who was the lawyer, was never going to win. And there was a sense of breathlessness in the, in the language, in the archive, like he's constantly being interrupted. He's never going to win. And, and that, that was the foundation of what the language would sound like in the piece. That this was like a, you know, that was like the materiality of the archive of, of what I found in the proceedings. So in other words, it, there's one level that's like the information you're getting, what they're saying, like, This word means this, this word means that. But then there's this other level of the human impossibility to do something. And he's real, he realizes that and you can read that in the proceeds. So that would be the foundation of a lot of the language I use in the libretto. In addition to like interviews of, of people who had migrated, a lot of just like, like the, you know, like interviews of judges, interviews of lawyers, And, and to understand what they were going through in, this, in these processes. I really don't know a lot about what it's like to create a musical. Obviously, all of you know, but I wanna, I'm dying to hear everything about how 
the how has being a part of the Latina Musical uh, Theater Lab, you know, taught you uh, something about your own work? And what has your experience been like? What are the tools that you got from being a part of the lab? Well, I've only been to one lab event so far, which was when uh, Silhouettes had an excerpt read at um, Showcase last uh, September, I believe it was. And what I what struck me from that was really just like the community. Like, I think I, I felt very, the sense of just like pride. And I felt so grateful to be in that space and to not feel like we were alone in some way. And just like excited for all the seeds that were being planted and knowing like they're all going to bloom at some point. It might be a year, it might be 10 years, it might be five years, but to be there at the beginning point of so many works by Latina people and knowing like this is just the beginning, <laughs> it definitely felt like a moment in history, like a moment of like, we're all going to look back on this moment and remember, like, remember when we were all here and that was like when Latina musical theater, like was really like getting its foot and taking off in, you know, in the East Coast in general. Um, so yeah, I would say that that's like my main takeaway from that experience. Um, and then working, you know, working with Robbie, I think has just been the, the best part of this experience. Um, I have learned a lot from him and I, I feel like very safe collaborating with him. So that I think has been like, I'm a playwright first. So I, everything I've ever written pretty much has been me by myself in a room. <laughs> so having somebody else to share ideas with, to say, what about this? Or how do you feel about this? And having that back and forth with someone is like really lovely um, and scary sometimes too, because there'll be moments where I'm like, oh my God, like what if he doesn't like this idea? Or what if he gives me an idea that I don't like? And then what am I going to do with that? You know? Um, so yeah, I think like collaborating as a creative in this way is very different and new to me and exciting. Um, and then just also being a part of this connecting and growing community is a really exciting part of the whole thing. Well, listen, to everybody who's out there listening, y'all got to come and see this because it sounds like our pieces are all in conversation with each other. And that's like a really, really cool feeling. Um, and from the lab, uh, I mean, I really just started working with the lab. Uh, I submitted my piece way back when, when the submissions for this thing opened. And then I went to the first um Cuatro X, um, as we're calling it. And I saw um, Café con Leche and a couple of the other pieces that they had doing there. And like, truly, I mean, this is, I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but it was just really the community that I've, that I've observed and that I've absorbed. That's truly like what's most affecting. Because I've been, I've been very fortunate with, with this piece, Como Correr, and, and with what it's given me in my life and where it's taken me. Um, and, and it's wonderful and it's amazing, but like, all of that validation has been from people outside of the community and the culture that this piece is desperate to serve, which is our culture, the Latin culture. And so to be like in this community and work with this organization, um, that is truly like the biggest validation and the biggest like, girl, this is working and you need to continue working on it that I've like truly felt in like in, in mi corazón, the mi corazón, you know what I mean? Like, and, and, and working with um, Pierre-Jean Gonzalez, who's, who's going to be directing the piece for this 4x15. Um, and he is this like Dominican queer femme, but also like femme in attitude, but mask in presentation, which I very much feel that I am. And like having him just like on our first meeting, just like shower the show's praises and just like tell me how much it's like affecting him emotionally and, and the why he connects to not only like 
what the story is, but the humor and the use of like hip hop in it and just being able to like know um, that the people that the show is trying to reach out to that that's happening and they're like connecting to it. Um, I mean, that's truly what the lab has, has given me. And then, and then, you know, we'll see how the production goes and then all that other jazz, but truly, I just like, I feel like my heart is just like truly, truly been opened by the amount of support just on a um, like level of that the show is working because um, is, 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 is giving me dividends. Is that, a, is that a phrase? Um, because the show is very uh, weird and, and it takes from like Saturday morning cartoons and and hip hop and TV sitcoms and concerts and musical theater. And and so it has so many reference points and it's trying to use them all to tell this this love story and, and to know that all of that is like coming together in a way that coalesces nicely. Um, that's all you needed to say. And then we're going to keep it moving. Bueno, for me, para mí, um, uh... Primero que todo, trabajar haciendo, escribiendo un musical eh, es un trabajo bien difícil porque eh, generalmente son dos personas, eh, en nuestro caso somos tres, entonces eh, hay que encontrar un lenguaje común. Lo que decía Erlina de que eh, su partner viene con alguna idea y que a lo mejor tengo que trabajar con eso sí, y no me gusta tanto, no sé. Entonces todas esas cosas hay que ponerse mucho de acuerdo y hay que trabajar mucho. Eh, eso ha sido un bonito proceso y los quiero nombrar porque si no me van a matar si no los nombro. Julio Vaquero, que es nuestro compositor, y Pablo Concha, quien eh, es, eh, él está asistiendo a la música y también asistiendo al, al book. Um, y creo que nosotros tres hemos tenido una gran compenetración y hemos logrado trabajar muy bien juntos. Con eh, Latinés nos hemos sentido muy apoyados, eh, muy, ellos han sido muy, eh, eh, han estado muy eh, presentes y, y, y bien eh, preocupados de, de nuestro proceso, de, 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 de tratar de que eh, todo eh, resulte bien y de que eh, tengamos nuestras necesidades cubiertas en el fondo, cosa que uno agradece mucho porque no se da mucho en verdad, cosas eh, como esa. Eh, así que les agradezco mucho y nada, yo estoy demasiado contento y excitado y emocionado de, 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 de lo que venga, eh, yo también estuve presente en la primera versión en marzo eh, viendo a los cuatro <ríe> eh, que, a los primeros cuatro digo. Eh, y fue muy bonito ver toda esa eh, energía eh, de, de todas esas nuevas historias de, to de, 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 de todo eso, eso que se genera como comunidad eh, entonces realmente estoy muy muy emocionado de lo que pueda pasar en, 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 en todo lo que resta del proceso y en la presentación misma yo también uh, diría lo mismo comunidad y apoyo y yo asistí al, a, a una lectura de Anita González que es una escritora Um, aquí en Washington, D.C., y ella estaba leyendo Ybor City, un musical que ella ha escrito, por, para la cual ella ha escrito el, el book. Y, um, y yo quedé muy impresionada con Brian Morales y, y, el, y el, el, el grupo. Y cuando vi esa invitación a mandar, para mandar los, los musicales, yo no mandé nada porque yo dije, bueno, yo estoy en... Siento que estoy en otra categoría en cuanto a, a la ópera. Pero luego me dijeron, manda, pueden mandar ópera. 
Así que eso me encantó y, um, y me siento muy, muy agradecida. Estaba pensando en también lo que dijo, dijo Erlina en cuanto a el espacio en el, donde ella se encuentra cómoda escribiendo. Y para mí, a mí me encanta, y lo que han dicho ustedes también, la colaboración. Yo amo, la colabor amo sentir control sobre algo y luego absolutamente dejar ir ese control y que ese diálogo con el compositor o la compositora exista en la página. Porque siempre me, me llama la atención que hay diferentes maneras de dialogar con otro ser humano y que muchas veces, yo digo, like, talking's overrated. That's why we sing. You know, like, like, even though I've dedicated my whole life to words, what I've realized in my age is that talking is overrated. Like sometimes you have to just not talk and go back to like co-play. You know? <laughs> and so um, I think it's amazing that we, that there are different forms in which we hear and know each other. And one of them is, you know, like you can express yourself in a poem in ways that you can't in a conversation and vice versa, right? Something else happens. And so I'm really interested in that. And that's the collaborative work. And then also like, I remember as a pianist, I would always get really nervous when I performed. Like I loved performing, but the, the anxiety was became overwhelming. And so I love being on a stage in a different way and like having that embodiment with other people. I, I just love, I love, I feel like collaborative work is a metaphor of love and how we exist with other people. You know what I mean? Like You can, you can love someone as much as you can, as you want and express that, but it reaches a limit in which that other person feels that. And they may not love you, but you know what I mean? Like you can't, but it's taking that risk and giving everything you, and, and then just leaving it out of your control. So I really, really enjoy that and leaving it in the control of the vocalists and letting them do what they want to do with that word you wrote on the page and letting the composer do, the composer, letting the director do. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, I don't, I feel very enjoyable. Like that's very enjoyable for, for me that others have that control and their space to express themselves. And then it becomes something that's not yours. So I, like that for me is just a metaphor for existing with other people and loving them. And so, um, So I'm really grateful that that Latine has has allowed me to be to be part of this. Ana, Erlina, Felipe, and Nicole, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been a true pleasure. If you're listening or watching and you want to check out snippets of what these incredible people are doing in musical form, uh, you can find information in the show notes. And in the meantime, people break a leg and muchísima mierda, mucha mucha mierda para todos. Muchas gracias y un gran, gran abrazo y, y con muchos deseos de, de verles todo eh, en julio. Hey, it's Leslie Udom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.